see everyone here. I got some very good encouragement before I came up tonight. My son looked at me and said, just a while ago, he said, is it over yet? So I said, well, sorry, son, you got a, got a little bit longer to go. And I noticed he just left to go to the bathroom. So, um, so very good encouragement there. It, it is good to be with you. I've enjoyed a wonderful day of worship and being together with you. I appreciate Billy and the wonderful job he did and directing our minds and thoughts this morning on a very difficult topic. He did very well talking about when family breaks. And uh, what I want to do tonight is kind of continue with that thought a little bit and, and talk about a particular family in Genesis chapter 4, the family of Adam and Eve and their sons Cain and Abel. Um, what I would like to do is kind of look and stay in this story tonight and look directly at Cain and Abel and directly at the legacy that both of them leave behind. And so tonight's lesson is called A Child's Legacy, Cain and Abel. And we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 4 if you'd like to go ahead and turn there. And what I want to do is give you kind of a rundown of what we've been looking at this month and what our plan has been as far as the church family here at Delreda. Uh, the month of February has been dedicated to the family. And we have looked at all the topics that you can see on the screen behind me. Um, we started off with Dr. Steve Wages and Fortifying the Family Day. And we looked at uh, how a man keeps his household. We talked about the gold standard or the gold sword and the silver sword standard. We looked at how a man is to be a compassionate man, one who loves his wife and his children, and he teaches them God's word. We also looked at stories throughout the Bible, both good and bad. We looked at people such as Jacob, and Jeremy Pate uh, spoke a lesson about Jacob. And in that story, in the story of Jacob, you know, Jacob is recognized as one of the uh, very prominent men of the Bible, very prominent man of faith. But also you see a story about Jacob, how there was a coat involved in many colors and son Joseph. And we saw how favoritism weds a divide between that family that changed the course of their legacy and changed the course of their time together. We looked at specifically, Doug spoke about a couple weeks ago, the influence of grandparents and how they're very important today. We talked about a very special grandmother in the Bible. It's Timothy's grandmother, Lois, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And Lois is mentioned as a major contributor to Timothy's faith. And even Paul writes about his grandmother, Lois, what a dedicated woman she was in teaching him. We looked at passages such as Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, where Moses addresses the children of Israel. He addresses the parents and the grandparents. And he tells those people, he says to them, be sure to teach your children diligently. Don't take it lightly. Every moment you have, when you rise up, when you walk with them, when you talk with them, when they go to bed at night, he says, teach them to love God with all their heart and their soul and their mind because they're going to need that teaching from you. We've come to understand that a parent and a grandparent can play a very pivotal role in shaping a child and influencing their legacy that they are continuing to build throughout their lifetime. And so we begin the story of Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. They were brothers and they were friends. They had grown up together playing in the open country. They probably shared stories and made plenty of memories together. They, they had a lot of people besides them, by the way. They had parents who taught them love, discipline, more importantly about God, it seems. Boy, they were hard workers. One worked by the sweat of his brow in the fields and provide food for the family that nourished them. The other was a keeper of the sheep that provided clothing and provided tribute for the Father in heaven. These two brothers, they grew up together. They spent a lot of time together. 
I imagine they loved one another. They probably prayed together. And they also honored God, as we see in Scriptures. And so what I want to do is begin to picking apart the, the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 to begin with here. And Moses writes and he says, Now Adam and Eve knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. She said, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was, Abel was the keeper of the sheep, and Cain was the worker of the ground. And what a great joy it was for Adam and Eve to be able to move forward from the events of the previous chapter in Genesis chapter 3. You know it very well, and so do they. It was an opportunity to put the past behind them and finally get to move on. We could put the Garden of Eden behind us. We can forget about the banishment. We know what we have to do. We know our punishment. But God, being so gracious and rich in mercy, has granted us an opportunity to have children, has granted us an opportunity to restore humanity into this world. It was back to the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Such a gracious gift that God has given us with our children. It was a wonderful opportunity to raise these boys and steer them in direction once again towards the righteousness of God. It was a second chance for Adam and Eve and their opportunity for a new legacy for them and their entire family the rest of their lives. Their family's history and their family's legacy was being written in the pages of our Bible. And I imagine they were eager to write a new legacy for themselves. And then you continue on in Genesis chapter 4 and you look at verses 3 through 7. And so the Bible reads here. It says, In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must, you must rule over it. Now I want all, all my kindergartners through sixth grade, all my teenagers, all my college students, if you don't get anything out of this lesson, remember this. Very fitting my children walk in. I hope they hear this. If you don't get anything out of this lesson, I want you to know this. Your parents can raise you in the most loving and joyful and successful environment. Your parents can teach you the ways of the Lord and teach you God's Word on a daily basis. Your parents can be successful in the eyes of God in raising you. But you will choose your own path in this world. You will leave your parents' household at some time and you will be on your own and you better believe that teaching that they gave you and that rearing they gave you, it needs to be put to practice. You will choose, each and every one in this room will choose their own path in life, whether it be good or or bad. And here's what I mean. The case in point comes about. In Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5, we see Cain and Abel both offering sacrifices to God and worshiping Him. It seems, it seems as though that Cain and Abel had a knowledge of who the Lord was, and they sacrificed and worshiped to Him, and it was important to their family to do this. If not, God wouldn't have written about it. I imagine at some time that Adam and Eve told their boys about their once perfect life in the Garden of Eden. I imagine they told him of the beauty of the garden and what they got to see. How God had prepared a home for them and how they supplied, how they were supplied every need by the Father. I imagine Adam telling his boys that the greatest creation that God gave me in this world was your mother Eve. 
how he fashioned her and he made her as a helpmeet for him. And he was thankful for his wife. He's thankful for his children. At the same time, I imagine there came a day where Adam and Eve had to tell their boys the truth about sin and the consequences that followed of disobedience. About the banishment from the garden, about the pains of childbirth and working by the sweat of their brow. There had to be a reason they were doing this. I imagine they had to tell them at some point. I imagine they had to tell them about the realization, the shame, and the need for atonement for sin that took place in their life. I also know that Adam and Eve had knowledge and guidance, or came to Abel had knowledge and guidance from God above as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, some of the evidence is this. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness, God commending him by accepting his gifts. We see that Abel had developed a faith in God that was considered righteousness towards him. He must have been doing something right. He must have known who God was. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It, it wasn't a blind faith and understanding that Abel had just stumbled upon. It was a learned and desired faith, a conviction that directed his life and his footsteps. You see, both Cain and Abel knew the Lord. And they knew what sacrifice to give. And they knew what was required of them before the Lord God. But in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 5, you see a struggle of faith that's taking place within Cain's heart. He was angry. His sacrifice wasn't accepted. It wasn't considered righteous before God either. As a matter of fact, the text tells us that God had no regard for Cain's sacrifice. Meaning that Cain did not meet the requirements of what God had desired of him. Frankly, he didn't give his best in his offering, in his attitude, in his obedience to the Almighty God on this day. And you begin to see a red flag start to wave in the distance with Cain and his faith. In verse 5, it continues on. It says that Cain's face fell and the struggle became very real for him all of a sudden. We see a transformation beginning to take place in verse 5. We see a legacy that has been built by his parents, been built by him in God and faith in him that's all of a sudden in jeopardy of change. We see a man whose faith is struggling. But I want you to notice what God does. God in His love and mercy. In verses 6 and 7, if you go back and look at that verse, God intervenes. God sees the internal struggle of faith taking place with Cain. He sees his anger bull and his jealousy beginning to rise, so God takes time to speak with Cain. Cain, you know what's right and wrong. If you give your best, you'll be accepted and all is well. God gracefully reminds Cain, he says, listen, remember the intent and remember the purpose of your faith. Remember who you are and who you belong to. If you remember that, you can change the course of what you're going down. You can change the road you're going down right now. God always desires for his people to do well. Throughout the course, throughout the history of time in Scripture, God always tries his best to make sure his people are steered in the right direction. He shows his love and mercy and kindness all throughout the history of the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, as you see. He demonstrated with Cain's parents that they sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. He allowed them to start a new life. There was discipline, of course, but they started a new life. They were banished from the Garden, yes, but God didn't vaporize them as he should have, probably. He allows them to start a new life and to move on from their past sin, to have time for repentance. 
He also allowed the human race to continue through Adam and Eve. He demonstrated in the days of Noah, allowing Noah to preach for years and years to warn about the sinful people about a biblical flood that was to come in Genesis chapter 6. He demonstrated in the book of Exodus with the children of Israel during their time of complaining and they doubted on their journey to the promised land. Over and over again, Moses reminded them that God will bring them there. And there were times Moses had to be reminded too. And we see love and patience here again with Cain and his personal guidance God delivers to him. At the same time, God being rich in mercy and love, he also delivers a warning to Cain. He says to Cain, if you do not heed my guidance and you choose not to renew yourself, then sin is lying in wait and it's crouching at the door for you. Choose to rule over it. Lord, what are you saying? Choose to rule over it as in this. Because you can, you can defeat temptation. Because you can move forward. Because you can battle and win is what he's telling him. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 through 9 says this. Be sober-minded, be watchful. For your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Notice what he says in verse 9. He says, resist him and be firm in your faith. What God is telling, what Peter is writing to the people, he says this. He says, we know that sin is crouching. We know Satan is laying in wait. We know temptation is coming. He says, you can rule over it. He said, stand firm in your faith and what you've learned and what you've known. And so what God is telling Cain through the course of this is, Cain, it's your choice. He said, you choose your own path. You're going to write your own legacy. You know you know the road to take. What will you do with it though? What are you going to do in the situation is what he's telling Cain. One's legacy can change in a moment. People spend years and years building up a reputation and preparing their legacy for future generations. But I can tell you that it can be destroyed in one choice in one moment. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 16, is one of the saddest stories in all the Old Testament. And here's why it goes. Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and he killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where's, your Abel, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer upon the earth. Cain, Cain said to the Lord, my, my punishment is too great, greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me from the day away from the ground, and your face I shall be hidden from. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, that's not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nain, east of Eden. One moment, one decision, and one action can redirect the course of your life and time. Your legacy and your reputation can be ruined in one moment. It takes years to build a reputation. It takes years to work on a legacy that's going to be, going to be accepted.
by your peers, accepted by your family. And it's going to be passed on lovingly. But one moment can ruin everything in your life if you're not careful. Cain, Cain had all the opportunity to choose the right path. Remember what we talked about in Genesis 4 and verse 5. Cain knew he had fallen short in God's eyes. He had a realization. Genesis 4 and verse 6, God intervenes and he gives guidance to Cain. Cain, you got an opportunity to turn it around. you got an opportunity to repent. Genesis 4 and verse 7, God warns Cain of temptation. And he says you can rule over it. you got a choice, is what God said. Cain, you got a choice. What are you going to do? He had all the opportunity to do what was right and continue on the legacy he was building for his future generations. But yet he chose a path that led to a debased legacy for the rest of time. He allowed sin in the form of jealousy, anger, and hatred and aggression to rule over him. Upon his surrender of faith, he constructed a plan of of premeditated murder against his brother. As a matter of fact, he executed his plan by luring his brother out to the field and when he was alone, and he knew he was alone, and he slaughtered him right there in the field. My, oh my, how everything can change based upon one man's decision in just a moment's time, it seems like. Because in 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 12, here's what John has to say about this case. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. He goes on, he says, We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because of his own deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. After the murder takes place, God is still merciful. He gives Cain an opportunity of confession. If you remember in verse 9, God asked Cain, he says, Where's your brother, Abel? He knew exactly where Abel was. Cain knew exactly where Abel was. God did too. And God asked me, he said, where's your brother Abel? And Cain shrugs it off and says, what do you think I am, my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. And you talk about a realization in verse 10. When God calls down Cain and he speaks to him and he says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Cain, you can't hide what you've done from me. I know what you've done. I hear your brother screams of pain as he pleads my name in anguish. You killed your own brother out of rage and jealousy. What were you thinking? Why would you do that? You had a lifetime with this young man. You made memories together. You shared stories together. You played in the field together. You grew up together. And you threw it all in for what? Out of jealousy and rage? That's exactly what he did. Cain, I directed you in a path where you had an option to choose what you're going to do. I challenged your faith and I said, you can rule over it. But yet he chose differently. And with that decision comes, with the decision of sin will always come, will always come punishment. With disobedience always comes consequences. And notice his punishment and his legacy now. Following the crime and his realization God delivers a punishment to Cain. Here's what it was. He said in verse 11, he said, You are cursed from the ground. The ground you once grew great fruit from, the ground you once grew wonderful food for your family, it will no longer yield for you. Your lifestyle that you've learned, the work you've earned and learned how to do, your job is gone. He said, You're cursed from the ground from here on out. Verse 12 says, As a matter of fact, you're a fugitive and you'll be a wanderer for the rest of your life. 
And then Cain intercedes with God and he says, my punishment is too hard. He said, I, I cannot do this. I'll be a fugitive. I'll be hunted down and killed. What do you mean by that? Well, maybe Abel's descendants would find him. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I know one thing. He was scared to death that he was going to die. So God, being gracious in his mercy once again, provides a symbol of protection for Cain. In verse 13, it says Cain is marked or given a mark by God as divine protection so nobody would kill him. <coughs> it was a mark for all to see, for all to know. In verse 16, Cain is banished from the land and away from the presence of God. And as for his legacy, we just read it a while ago. It's found in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. Where John writes, he said, we should not ever be like Cain. He was the evil one. He murdered his brother. One moment, one decision, one action can rewrite the course of time. Can rewrite someone's legacy, such as Cain. Now, I want you to know something too. Cain receives his punishment. He receives his consequence. And he moves, it says, east to the land of Nod. You think, okay, God's given another opportunity. It's like his parents did. He was able to move. He's going to start a new life for himself. No, I hate to say this, but you got to understand. Sin not only affects you, but it affects other people around you. Sin has an impact on those surrounding you as well. Your family, your friends, your relatives, everyone. Your legacy will also impact others surrounding you. Here's what I mean. Case in point with Cain and his parents. Can you imagine what life was like for Adam and Eve following Cain's decision? It seemed like we had moved from the garden. It seemed like we had understood and we had moved on. We know we were banished from the garden, but we just got our feet back under us. And all of a sudden you hear the news, your son is dead. Abel is dead in the field. By the way, Cain is a murderer of your own brother. He's a murderer of your son. And I can imagine them thinking, what's going on? And you understand that Cain is banished from you. You lose two sons in one day. And all you can think about as a parent is say, why? How? How could this happen? And maybe you've had some of these thoughts I'm about to read. We raised our boys in a loving household. We taught them how to love one another. We taught them what it meant to be a family. We taught them about an eternal father who loves them. We have learned from our mistakes. We vowed to raise our children in the Lord. But why? Why and how? I don't understand it. That's exactly what his parents were feeling. When they heard the news broke, that's what the truth is for them. Why? How? What had happened? Here's the sad truth today for parents. Parents within the church wonder these same questions far too often, it seems. How can my son or daughter abandon the faith? We raise them in a loving household. We raise them up according to Scriptures. We took time, a devotional at night. We took time to answer their questions we made it a point to sit them down and read the Bible together in God's Word. We thought they were ready. Like I said earlier, parents, you can do all the job so well to raise your children in a Christian household, but they will choose their own path. Genesis 4 and verse 25 goes on to say about Cain's parents. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel. Or Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. 
Imagine the heartache and emptiness they must have felt. See their lives changed over their son's decision to lose two sons at one day. What about Cain's family? You see, Cain's family were to be wanderers. His wife and children had to endure the hardship of this punishment as well. It wasn't just for him. It was his wife and his children had to endure this. They struggled to harvest and produce food for the family, as Genesis chapter 4 and verse 12 predicted. <coughs> also, Cain's wife and children had to live with the fact that their father was a fugitive. You remember the mark that was placed upon Cain that God gave him? That mark served as a sign of divine protection, but it was visible for all the world to see. But that mark also served as a daily reminder for Cain and quite possibly his wife of the awful crime he committed against his brother. Each day, maybe when he peered down into the river, when he looked at himself, he could see that mark reflecting upon him. It was a daily reminder of what he'd done. And then you talk about Cain's descendants. If you continue to read the story in Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, you read about the descendants of Cain. And in his lineage, you'll come across a man named Lamech. And in Genesis 4 and verse 19, you see the man named Lamech is the first documented bigamist of the Bible. It's also important to note in Genesis 4, 23 through 24, a very disturbing incident takes place with Lamech. It's very similar to Cain, it seems. In verse 23, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voices, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. He said, I've killed a man for wounding me. A young man for striking me. Notice what he says here. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's will be seventy-sevenfold. You see, Cain's legacy and story is told throughout his generations. It's remembered all the way to Lamech, it seems. You see, Cain's tarnished legacy is referenced and it's used for even a crutch for Lamech's protection. Throughout these passages, it's clearly seen, in most cases of Cain's descendants, that they had become increasingly corrupt and wicked, and they repeated the same, same type of legacy their father had. So I pose the question again tonight as we wrap up is, what's your legacy going to be? For college students and teenagers and young people, right now at this very moment, you're writing your legacy. You're writing your book. Parents and grandparents, you have the opportunity to influence your child's legacy and help them build upon it. And you play a major role as we talked about through this whole month. But it all boils down to this. We all will make a choice to determine who we are. Who do I want to be and what will I follow? You see, because in one moment, one decision, one action, all the teaching that Cain and Dology had of God, all the teaching his parents gave him to be faithful and increase in faith, he threw it away and he chose a tarnished and undesirable legacy for himself and even his descendants and his future generations. But I also don't want to end on a sour note tonight. As bad as the legacies we see of Cain, there is also good in his brother Abel. There's not a lot written about Abel past this, past this moment. There's not a lot we know about him, but it does say something. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 is one of the greatest verses you ever read about Abel. In Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness. God commended him by accepting of his gifts. Now notice this part. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. 
though his life was cut short, though his life was ended by his own brother, God has the Hebrew writer to write and say, Abel, as old as he is, as ancient as that story is now, he still speaks today. Why? Because of his faithfulness and his righteousness towards God. Abel's legacy lives on it, and it's louder than Cain's is today. We should honor that legacy in continuing to teach our children this righteous, God's righteousness and to have unshakable faith within Him. The decisions you make in a day and the path you are traveling right now will write your legacy for all time. My question is tonight is, why not choose a legacy that is considered righteous in the eyes of God? You can do it tonight. In simple faith and obedience to God, you can decide that I want to walk with God and I want to walk in the footsteps of His Son. What greater legacy can you take on than walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? And the way to do that is to be clothed in baptism by the washing away of your sins according to Acts 22 and verse 16. And then you have the ability to rise and walk in the newness of life and begin your journey with Him. There are some people that had a legacy that was already tarnished and it was looking bad already. And they're going down the wrong road, but they stopped that legacy and they started on a new path. And they rewrote history. And they rewrote their legacy as a faithful child of God. And they look to live that out each and every day of their lives. Well, maybe you've already been a Christian and decisions, your actions are not a reflection of Christ. Maybe you tripped and stumbled on the way. Maybe you did something as bad as Cain. I don't know. But maybe you need forgiveness. Reminds you one more thing. Genesis 4 and verse 7 says this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires for you, but you must rule over it. In the end, we'll all stand before God. In the end, we'll all be in front of Him. As Revelation said, the books of life will be open, and He will read off our legacy and see who we are. My question to you tonight it's why not have a legacy of a faithful child of God? And why not have a legacy such as Abel's, where his legacy still speaks today, as Hebrews 11 and verse 4 says. If you need to respond to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing. closing prayer. Let us pray. 
Father God, we come before you in prayer tonight, so humble and thankful that you've given undeserving creatures like us another day of life. 